Praise God. Let's open the Word of God to the book of Mark, chapter 1. I want to read something a moment. I want to emphasize the importance of God's Word more than ever before. The importance of standing uh, and being scriptural Christians. Sister Janice just blew me away. She's a preacher. I mean... Said it was a testimony, but, but she could have easily just continued preaching. She gave points there that I mean, you could really expand on that. It's a, that's that's some good stuff. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I, I want a copy of your notes. <laughs> you gave about nine notes, you know, nine points there that all very important. You know, the issue of fear, the issue of worry, and all that. And thank you for being transparent. Really, um, you know, this I hear this more and more. Uh, a lot of us coming up in the inner city, uh, we were challenged with different uh, uh, issues. I remember when I was coming up, my issue was serious fear because I was raised in 108th Street, Manhattan Avenue. And during those days, like I mentioned before, it was uh, the gang capital of, the, of New York, <laughs> both the west side and east side. You have the young lords on the east side, but on my side, it was the savages, the savage nomads, and, and a couple of other groups. And then um, in the, er, the late 60s and early 70s, when I was coming up, I'm 57 now, um, I tell you, it was, it was very scary because, you know, people say, oh, racist, you're racist, you're racist. I know exactly what they're talking about. Back in the 70s, that was very, very prominent in the region of, of that part of Harlem. And I was raised there. Now, if you look at me just for a moment, would you classify me as a Hispanic or a white boy? In Harlem. Okay? Right. So, because of that, racism was perpetrated against me. I would have people beat me up because I was white. So, I learned to hate Harlem very quickly. Uh, I was almost murdered several times. So my mom took me to Puerto Rico when, we were, when I was, I think, around 12 years old. That lasted two months because I learned to hate Puerto Rico even more. Because what happened was when I got there, guess what they called me? <laughs> so I didn't belong here, I didn't belong there. I, I, you know, I hated it. It was, it was horrible. It was horrible. So um, I ran away at one time because I couldn't take it. But, you know, at the end of the day, after I ran away, I had to come back home because I was hungry. I mean, you gotta, a man's got to eat, you know. <laughs> so that didn't last too long. But what I learned during that time was that uh, uh, there, were ch- there were forces, uh, challenges that I didn't understand. I really didn't understand. To me, all my friends were mostly dark-skinned, which is normal to me. So I didn't understand when they were angry at me. I didn't understand. I was just a kid for crying out loud. But that's the problem. Kids don't understand. And they don't understand the hate, the abuse. They don't understand the bullying. I remember being bullied uh, by kids that were 19 and 20. I remember one kid beat me so bad, left me on the ground just because I walked. It was the sidewalk. Kids in those days would play basketball right in the sidewalk. It wasn't that there was a basketball court. They wouldn't make it into a basketball court. They would, pay, they would put, you know those old milk cartons, the, the, the boxed milk cartons? They would put them right on the wall, tie them up, and that was the basketball court. 
So I'm passing by there, because by the way, I have to, because it's a sidewalk. So I pass by, and my friend passes by, and my, my friend, we were probably, I don't know, 11 years old, 12 years old. He kicks, by mistake, a little piece of glass into that area. So the bigger boy, uh, I assume looking at him now, he was probably 18, 19 years old. He said, yo, man, get that out of the way. You kick that into it. So the kid said, what, what? He said, get it out of the way. And he didn't even wait. He came to me and he just punched me with all his might in my stomach. So what does a 12-year-old boy do when they hit him with all their might in the stomach? What do you do? No, you keel over. So I bent over. I have no, I mean, it's horrible to not be able to breathe. So now I just go like that, and he punches me again in the side of my stomach. So now I'm, I'm on the floor. I'm, uh, I'm gasping for breath, and he starts kicking me. So finally they got him off me, and, and you know, I was able, I guess, to get up and walk away. But I remember his face. It was a Hispanic guy. I remembered his face. It was etched in my brain. And from that moment, I set the course to hurt that guy. He said, when I get some body on me, I know I'm a little small, but when I get larger, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt that guy. I'm, I'm going to cut his face. I'm, I'm going to stab him. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Yeah, I was angry at him. I was just so angry. And it, it, it stayed in there for years. Well, at age 15, I get saved in the same area. And now I'm there, I'm, I'm ministering a couple of years. Um, I'm playing basketball with the guys because our church was there. And literally next to it was a big, nice park, a basketball park and baseball park. And so we're playing basketball. Another guy comes in. He says, hey, oh, mira, si yo no juego, nadie juega. Now, let me translate that for you. That was a bully. He came in and he took our ball. He said, if I don't play, nobody plays. So... I don't know if you ballers out there uh, play the same way today. In my day, when we used to come in, we used to wait our turn. We said, I got next. Anybody know that? Anybody know that? Does that happen now? Well, in those days, we were polite with each other, and we waited for the proper time. So I waited my time, and so uh, my turn comes up. So we get ready to play basketball. Before you play the game, you, you throw a couple of uh, you know, balls and get ready, so the guy comes in, if I don't play, nobody plays. And I looked at him and says, we have next. So what does he say to me? He again reminds me that I'm white. Translated, that means you white people always come in here and think you could do whatever you want to do. Get out of here before I punch you in the face. I'm Christian now. My church, that's the wall of the church right there. And the church is right next door. And here we're playing basketball. Uh, the same anger came up from when I was 12 years old. The same anger boiled over. And I wanted to, I, I, I lost everything for a moment. I wanted to hurt that boy. I wanted to get that piece of glass. And I wanted to get that knife. And I, I just feel so angry. And right there, the Lord ministered to me. The Lord said, if you do not release this, I will not be able to minister through you in this region. You're called to minister to the very people you have an issue with. Because they're your people. I, went. I, I, would, I would love to tell you that I had a moment. I said, oh God, you're right. I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> Holy Ghost, have your way. I would love to tell you that that's how I responded. I didn't respond that way. 
I responded very a matter of factly. I went. I wanted to say to the Lord, Lord, that's not fair, okay? That's not fair. But you know what I said? I said, okay, Lord, this is what we're going to do. This is what I'm going to do. As an act of faith, I forgive him. Because I don't feel this thing right now. I was very honest with God. But you know, it's good to be honest with God. You know why? He knows what you're feeling anyway. You can't hide from him. So I said, as an act of faith, I forgive. And you know, God meets you at, your, at that place. And God started melting my heart. And today, you know, I, I, I realized that God was preparing me for any issues I would have to deal with in ministry. I also had the opportunity to go back to Puerto Rico. You know, the place that rejected me? The place where they call me gringo, americuchi, you don't belong here, get out of here, you're not a real Puerto Rican, you weren't born here. I Meanwhile, my mother said I was. But then when I went over there, the real place, the real place that I wasn't, so... Well, by the way, I only lasted two months in Puerto Rico. I went to my mom, and I said, Mom, I'm running away. You will not keep me in this place. I can't stand this place. That's what I felt then. I don't feel it now. I'm just telling you my testimony. See, Janice, you know, she, she started me out on this. Your fault. <laughs> so, so what I did was I told Mom, I said, Bring, send me back home. I'm, uh, my home is Harlem. Uh, you send me back. You know, she did. I guess I was so emphatic because I could be that way. I could be emphatic when I want to. And I impressed in her that I was telling the truth and I would run away. Um, so she sent me back. And that's, I came right back. I came back to school. I came back to my, my life. Went right back to the same place because my dad was living here and she was living over there. It was a mess. But years later, now they give me a privilege. Now I have the responsibility, a regional responsibility in a major men's ministry. And part of my responsibility was to cover Puerto Rico. So I was called back to Puerto Rico as a men's ministry director uh, of a national ministry. For those of you that know it, it's, it's called Promise Keepers. Some of you worked with me back in that time. Lourdes was actually, we, we partnered because we were working in the same office. But I had the privilege to go back there as the men's director. Now, Promise Keepers developed such a notoriety that it encompassed all of Puerto Rico. All of the churches in Puerto Rico were involved in doing a national, not a national, but a, an island-wide uh, men's event. It was the biggest one of its kind in the history of Puerto Rico uh, in, at that level. It was on radio, it was on TV, it was in Ponce. So they're expecting the representative from Colorado Springs because our office was from Colorado Springs. Uh, even though I was in New York, my office was Colorado Springs. That's, they, they were the big guys there. So they sent me to Puerto Rico to oversee it. So I show up now these people there, they put me in a car, they, they, they dined me. I'm not going to say wine and dined, they just dined me. And the best food, I mean, uh, the fish, they would fill up the fish with, uh, let me not say anymore, because it's, I mean, you might get hungry. In other words, they treated me like royalty. I have to say it, I was never treated that way. Meanwhile, in my, in my heart, it says, you rejected me. That's amazing. I've been serving God. I'm now a, a, a director of a ministry. And meanwhile, that thing was still in my heart. I'm sharing that with each and every one of you because even though you're Christian, that does not mean that things just go away. You have to eventually deal with all your issues to be healed. Right? And the best way is to just acknowledge that it's there. Go before God. Forgive those that offended you. Because forgiveness will release you from that thing. 
A thousand people could pray for you, but if you don't release it, it'll stay with you. So what did I do? We went. The place was packed. It was on radio. Uh, I met all the directors. Uh, it's just an amazing time. So the service comes. I get up on the podium, and for whatever reason, um, I have it in my heart to share a little bit of what I went through when I was 12. So I went up. I said, this is in Puerto Rico. When I was 12 years old, you rejected me. I came to this island. I moved to this island, and all I got was hate. All I got was, you're not welcome. You're not one of us. But today, I want to let you know, I forgive you. And, and even though I wasn't born here, I still feel like I'm a part. My parents are Puerto Rican. I was born in New York, but I'm a New York Rican. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I said that. It went all over radio. Uh, you know, I guess I was so, you know, when you're insular, it's almost like a horse ready to race. They put those. I wasn't looking at the island. I was, I was just talking to those men there. And past those men, I was just talking to those kids that rejected me. But I was working a principle of release so I could be healed. So I spoke, you know, it wasn't them, but it was somebody like them. And they gave me the opportunity to share. And so I did. I I forgive you, all right. So you know what happened? When I got down, a whole bunch of them went around me and they embraced me. No, you're one of us. You're from this island. Don't worry, you know, from now on, you're you're a son of, of Puerto Rico. I loved it. It was great. I was healed. But here's the beauty about it. God gave me the opportunity to be able to deal with this issue. And I believe God's going to give you the opportunity to deal with your issue. You have to be sensitive in your spirit. You have to be looking for it. And you have to be willing to forgive those that have offended you. You have to be willing to release the issues that uh, um, hurt you or wounded you in the time past. It's not so much for them, it's for you. So that you can move forward in victory and strength and power. I know who I am in Christ. I am not what, who I was in the past. But the Bible calls me a prince. The Bible calls you a prince and princess. Right? We are kings and priests unto the Lord. We're royal priesthood. Say to your neighbor, you're a royal priest. The word royal priest is that. It's, it's royalty, but it's also a priesthood. We represent our regions. We have to. The nation it right now is, is going through uh, confusion and fear. So we need to know who we are in Christ. Amen. We have to intercede for those who, who are going through these issues. Many similar issues that we went through. Amen? Amen. You, you appreciate my testimony? I, I, I know what I went through. And I, I really felt I had to share that with you. you know, I mean, it's Janice's fault. She started this. <laughs> Praise God. So thank you for your transparency. Because that, I'm sure, blessed somebody here today. I'm sure. And not only that, somebody is seeing it on live streaming. I'm sure that somebody was moved and impacted by that. And they'll be able to move forward because of your willingness to share your testimony. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, John, I mean, Mark chapter 1, verse 29. Jesus had just come out of the synagogue with his disciples. He had just cast out a a devil. And so... He became famous because of that. 
Verse 29, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So now we have the living word, because the Bible calls him the living word. He enters into the house, and there's someone ill. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. So when Jesus shows up in the house, now something started shifting. Before Jesus was there, the house was quiet. Nothing was happening. There was somebody sick in it, and pretty much not much movement. But when Jesus showed up, the sick were healed, right? But something happened. There was a shift also because it wasn't just the mother-in-law that got healed because uh, some of them brought to them uh, those that were sick and those who were demon-possessed. So it produced a multiplicative effect. Say with me, multiplicative effect. When Jesus shows up, things start shifting. You start to see healing. You start to see restoration. But notice. It says, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons. He did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. But notice, verse 33. Verse 33. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. This is what happens. As we start seeking God, as we start becoming more word-based Christians... As we start trusting God, like, like Janice said, it's his word, he's faithful, you know, it's true. And it's always true. God's word is always true. As we start taking the word of God upon ourselves, the, the Bible calls us uh, children of God. Now, my question, whose DNA do you have? Yeah, God's, but you, you were born from who? Whose DNA do you have? Your parents' DNA. Could you change that? You can't change that. You know, it doesn't make a difference what I say. I can hide it as much as I want to, but bottom line is I'll always be a Nazario. This body has the DNA of the Nazarios and the Gomez's and something like that. My mom is Gomez. My father's Nazario, Right? We have Irizaris in there. So we have a smorgasbord. But I can't change that. See? I could change how I act, how I talk, how I speak. I could change my culture. I could change my, my uh, accent if I want. I could do things like that. But I can't change my DNA. Now, the Bible calls us children of God. Now, if you're a child of God, whose DNA are, do you have? Almighty God's. See? So as we... As we get the word of God in us, see, the church is not actually these walls. The church is you and me. See, we are the ones that become the house of God. And the interesting thing about that is as soon as Jesus showed up to that house, something shifted in that house. Say with me, shift. And I believe there's a corresponding shift that's coming today because there's a fight right now. A fight, not just in the world, but there's also a fight in the church. 
There's a fight in the church to keep a measure of Christianity that's all comfort, that's all convenience, that's faith because I have things, faith because I'm comfortable, faith because God has blessed me, and faith because I'm prosperous. But then there's the true faith that's faith when I have it and when I don't have it. It's faith when I'm in, in the good, faith when I don't have a lot. Like Paul said, I know how to abase, I know how to abound. I know what it is to have a lot, I know what it is not to have too much. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it didn't make a difference with Paul whether or not he had a lot or little. He still served God. He still stood with God. He still trusted God. He still preached the gospel. And with him it wasn't easy because he preached the gospel that put him in jail. What did he do then? He still preached the gospel. He ended up in jail. You know what he did in jail? He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. You understand? So it didn't make a difference with him. He was going to stand. There's a type of Christianity coming up now among our ranks that is a Christianity that nobody's going to stop it. During the years, uh, years ago in China, there was a great persecution that came against the church. And what happened was many were murdered, martyred, uh, churches were burned down. The government was, they, they decided they're going to get rid of any form of religion. You know what happened? The church grew. And the church is still growing. And they're still trying to shut it down. You can't stop this thing. It's alive. Yeah, exactly. But the point is, it's alive with people that have a faith that goes far beyond what we see in churches today. Many Christians today have what you call a convenience faith. It's a faith that, oh yeah, God is good. And just as long as God continues to be good at me, I'll continue to go to that church. But the minute you mess with my faith, the minute you tamper with me, the minute you give me any correction, the minute you... They're out of here. All you see is their dust. <laughs> you understand? But there's a thing that's... God is doing something major today in our hearts first. There's going to be a manifestation soon in the earth realm. We're seeing a little bit of it right now. We're seeing uh, things happen in our nation. And, and the, the, the media knows how to hide some of it. The media knows how to position it, where all we say is, oh, bendito. You know what bendito means, right? Oh, bendito. When a Hispanic says bendito, I say, oh, I'm so sorry. But it's not a committed sorry. It's just a, ay, bendito. What did we see uh, in Louisiana not so long ago? Well, guess what? It's still happening. We're going to send an offering. We're going to, I have, we have to send several offerings. We have to send an offering to Franklin Graham's ministry, Samaritan's Purse, because they're there. Boots on the ground. We can't be there, but they're there, so we can help them. Plus, we also have to send a, a, an offering to a, a very large church there that's right now helping Franklin Graham's ministries and other ministries to serve. So we have to help that church also. So we're going to send an offering too. Uh, I just wanted to know more or less what was going on and, and where could we send our offering. I want our offering to count. I want to invest to get growth out of it. What growth? Well, the, the reestablishment of communities there because people have lost everything. I don't know if you've seen uh, some of the news. You know what it is to get water ab above the door, the entrance door? That's about six, six, seven feet. So what does that do to everything in your house? What does that do to everything in your basement? They've lost most everything, the people over there. Well, that's just one. There are things that are happening all over the world. Just in Italy, 
they were having a celebration of a certain type of food. So more than normal, uh, people were at that place in that region of Italy. And suddenly an earthquake. Just a suddenly. Say with me, suddenly. And this is what's happening in different parts of the world. You're seeing more and more suddenlies. And I believe we're going to see soon a suddenly in, in our government, a suddenly in our economy. So what, what I'm saying is that our faith has to be much more than just, oh, yeah, I like going to church every once in a while. Our faith has to be, I serve you, I love you, and no matter what happens, I'm going to stand for you. The reason why I'm saying that is because when we become true carriers of the presence of God, Jesus shows up. See, because since he's in us, he shows up. And we're going to be at a point where we're going to become resources. Say with me, resources. Resources. See, God's going to give us strategic wisdom in the coming days, in the coming months, where we can be a resource where we work, a resource where we live, a resource here as a local church. And the time to do it is now. Right? When is the time, for example, uh, when is the time to get uh, a couple of uh, extra gallons of water? When everybody shows up to your apartment or a week before you plan the party? You, get, you have to plan for these things, right? Well, the Lord is saying, my people plan. Make my presence known in the communities. Make my presence known in the city. Make my presence known in your life, in your home. Because shifts are coming. Changes are coming. And the church is going to shine during those days. So we're going to get great opportunities to be salt and light. And I love it because God will give you strategy for you and yours. Not just for the community, but for you and yours. Hallelujah. But it has to be connected with Almighty God. One of the things that, uh, one of the pseudo messages that are being preached today is a hyper grace thing. A hyper grace you can do whatever you want and God loves you and, you know, you're going to heaven and, you know, you got to be careful with that. Because, you know, we could miss it if we have the wrong philosophy. We could miss it if we're not hearing the word of God. God forgives us. He loves us. But we have a corresponding responsibility. We are to represent him in life. We are, we are, we are to represent him. And you look at a situation like, for example, remember Sodom and Gomorrah? I heard this not so long ago. Uh, uh, a preacher shared this, and, and, it, and it impacted me. Was, you know, you're right. Because when God spoke to Lot, God told Lot, you and your family, I'm going to save them. You have to leave the city, right? The angel told him, leave. Don't look back. Just go. Remember that? How many people were saved? Eight. Eight people were saved. Now, but the interesting thing, out of the eight, it was Lot's wife. God saved Lot's wife, yet she chose to disobey God, and she chose to go back. And yet it was determined that all eight would be saved, but it was her that disqualified her deliverance by virtue of her disobedience. See, so we have to be very careful how we walk in life. Because God will give us the privilege of, of wisdom, the privilege of, of, of strategy. But if we, I don't, I don't, no, we have to be listening in this day. And how do you listen? You go to his word. You pray. When, again, I, establish, I, I, I emphasize Wednesdays, 
Thank God you're here Sunday, but let's get here Wednesdays. Oh, by the way, just for your information, this week we're going to send the date. We've, we've just been asked to have a regional prayer here in September. It's going to be Tuesday 20-something, maybe. Thursday, is it? Thursday? Not Tuesday. Thank you. Thursday 22nd, so put that on your calendars. I want, to vote. I want all of you as much as possible to come. We're going to pray for our police department, for our city. We're going to pray for the president. We're going to pray for government. We're going to pray for, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, uh, Minister Pura, Pastor Pura. She has a group of pastors and leaders. So that's the first regional prayer we're going to have here. Praise God. Amen. And I'm excited about that because when we pray, we bring healing to the city. When we pray, we, we create that canopy of divine protection. And again, the presence of Jesus shows up. What happens when the presence of Jesus shows up? The city comes to you. Things shift. What happened here in, in that house? The city came to the house. Why? Because Jesus showed up. And this is what's going to happen as we become more a house of prayer. By the way, that's what God calls the church. My house shall be called, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. It's not a house of entertainment. It's not a house of fame. It's a house of prayer. So as we pray and seek God, Jesus gets formed in and through us, through our actions. And what happens? The city will show up. The city will show up to your home. Why? Because the presence of Jesus is there. The, the, the city will come up to your job. Why? Because you're there. You'll have people come and talk to you. Can you pray with me? Can you help me? I noticed that you are, you know, you're one of those. <laughs> they might not know what to call you. They'll just know that you're the one that needs to pray for them. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. In John chapter 1, somebody get the word. I'm going to task you guys to get the word. Let's read it together. John chapter 1, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. Whoever has it, stand up and read it. He existed in the beginning with God. The word was with God and the word was God. What does verse 14 say? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of the grace and truth. So the Word became flesh. So we know that the Word is Jesus Christ. He is the living Word. But the Word was with God in the beginning. So we know Jesus has always been there. One time the disciples, not the disciples, but people around him, we started talking about Abraham. Jesus spoke about Abraham. He said, Abraham saw my day and he was glad. And they got offended at him. They said, what do you mean you saw Father Abraham? You know, that's our, he's, he's our father. And what do you mean he saw your day? You're, you're 30, 30 years old and he saw your day? Come on. So listen, before Abraham was, I am. And he, and he had an attitude about it. Oh, they got so offended at him. How dare you? Who do you think you are? He's not thinking. He's telling you. He's God. He was, the word was with God. The word is God, right? And the word became flesh and dwelt among them. So we understand that the word that written word we have is the word of God, but it's also connected. His word and Jesus are interconnected. So when I want to know God's will, 
I can read and study God's word. So when I study God's word, I know his will. I don't have to wonder, I wonder what's his will on this. Just go to his word. Say to your neighbor, his word is his will. Praise God. In Revelation 19.13, it says, His name is called the Word of God. See, it's one of his very names. His Word works closely, so closely to his thoughts that we can know his thoughts when we read his Word. So as we're looking in this day, and we're listening, we're listening to the news, we're listening to this philosophy, that philosophy, go back to the Word. Because the word is what's going to give you your anchor. Now, that means that some, in some cases, you're going to hear things that don't ascribe to the word. Now, having said that, the world is going to be the world. I'm not offended at them because they don't know him yet. Our job and our task is to love them into the kingdom of God. Our job, our task is to share his word with them. Because here's what happens. When you share God's word, you're just a vessel, but the anointing goes with the word. One time, the, the, the word said, signs and wonders followed the word. So say with me, signs and wonders will only follow the word. You see, so I don't have to worry. I don't have to uh, work up a sweat. You know, especially in the old days, you know, from my Pentecostal background, you know, you had to, Señor, gloria a Dios, mira cuantos alaban a Dios en este día. Estamos predicando la palabra, Señor. I don't understand how, how they can do that and not, and not faint. Oh, yeah, I, I, can, I, I can imitate them just, you know, I, I can preach just like that. But my point is, did you understand anything I said? <laughs> Faith comes by hearing, hearing God's word. See, so if you're, if you're listening to a person that's on fire, he's running off the walls, bouncing off the ceiling, and you don't understand a thing he's saying, what type of faith did you just get? You got something. It's called emotion. You got stirred up. I, 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 within three minutes, I could have all of you jumping off the walls. I know how to do it. But does that really feed your faith? No. Because the same way I can excite you, I can make you emotive uh, to the point where you get giddy, you can do that Friday uh, after work uh, when you go uh, and have a couple of drinks. <laughs> See, so that's not my job to get you excited. My job is to have your faith level come up. For your faith level to be strong. You know why? When the enemy comes at you Saturday at 3 in the morning, your faith will be able to defeat the enemy. And your knowledge of the word of God. Because one of the things that the enemy will do, he'll come at you to try to make you doubt the very word of God. He's done that since the beginning. What did he say to Adam? Or to Eve? Hath God really said? In other words, wait, 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 wait. You said that God said this about the tree? I said, did he really say that? How you like that one? So from the beginning, the enemy of our souls has always done that. He tries to put a doubt, to sow a seed of doubt in God's word. But who am I going to trust? My emotions or the word? Who am I going to trust? Somebody else or the word? See, now, 
you, you, you also, Janice, shared a very powerful, uh, uh, basically it's a teaching what you shared in terms of when somebody comes at you with something, you have the right, yay, the responsibility to vet it. You have to vet the thought. You have to challenge what people say to you, and the way you challenge is you bring it back to the word. I've had people come to me many times and share, oh, the Lord said this. I went, okay, hold on. Nope. Oh, listen, an angel told me. The Bible says that even if, an, an angel, even if an angel comes to you and tells you something that's not scripture, let him be anathema. I don't care if they're shiny. I don't care even if they have wings. I'll be impressed. Oh, no, no that's, that's impressive. But then as soon as they sum that, that, that goes contrary to what I'll say, mm, no, get thee behind me. Not going to receive it. It has to be based on God's holy word. And this is where the rub comes in because today's philosophy, prevailing philosophy, is how dare you? There are many roads. There are many ways. There are many things. Yeah, there are. But God has an attitude about his word. And God has an attitude about Jesus. He says, he's the way. He's the door. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the way. No man comes to the Father except by him. How dare you? Well, how dare you? I I double park, you give me a ticket. And when I try to explain it, you still give me a ticket. In other words, eso es lo que hay. In other words, that's what it is. That's the law, right? We understand that here in the earth realm. Anybody here ever get a ticket? (laughs) You're laughing. (laughs) In other words, yes. We understand law here in the earth realm. You know, right now we're debating that literally on a national level because laws are being, they're becoming mushy at the highest levels. So we're trying to try where we stand. This is the problem. The more subjective you get, the more, well, what I feel, the more danger we're in because everybody feels differently. You need law. So we, we need to abide by something common so we can live together, not kill each other. Because the only alternative is anarchy. Why can't people come into your house and take your stuff? Moral principle? People are, a, a guy is high and strung out and coke doesn't care about moral principle. If a person comes into my house and tries to take my stuff, what right do I have? I'm asking. I'm just asking. What's my right? To stop him any way I can, right? And what if in the process I make a mistake, let's say I hit him too hard and kill him? What will the law do to me? Self-defense. In other words, it's legal to stop a person from trying to take your stuff, trying to come into your house and take your stuff. Uh, Am I okay with that? Why? Because it's the law. See, the, the only thing that protects us are the laws that we have in common in society. Now, the law of God is more powerful than the law of the land. See my point? So when God says, this is law, the only one that's established to bring you to my presence is Jesus. How can we as human beings say, how dare you? And this, Where's that going to go? Where's our offense going to take us? Absolutely nowhere. That's the established pattern. There is no plan B. See my point? 
So we say, no, no, this rock will take me to Christ. Or this rock will take me to God. I'll, I'll meditate, mm, and it'll take me to God. What, what, what would the demon say? We know Paul. We know Jesus. We don't know that rock. <laughs> you, you understand? So we have to, uh, once we know the law of God, the law of the kingdom of God, and the law of the kingdom of God is based on love, it's based on forgiveness, so this is why also innately people in the world who don't know God, they still know the innate law of love and kindness. They don't want to be kind. They don't want to, but they expect the church to be kind because they know innately in their heart that God is kind, that God is love. They know that in here. They don't live that way, but they expect the church to model that, right? But here's the problem. It's going to come a time where you're going to share the love of God and they're going to call you a bigot. Well, it already is now, right. But what do you do with that? Do you shut down? Do you go into a closet and hide? I'm a secret service Christian. I'm a Christian, but bless God, nobody's going to find out. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? No, you have to let your light shine. You know why? What's happening is, is the, the, it's, it's a clash of the cultures today. The clash of the word of God, the living God, and I want to live this way because this is, this is what makes me happy. I understand. Go live that way. But let me just remind you. I don't want you to miss heaven. Look what the word says. Ah, oh, I'm so offended at that. What's offended? What got offended in that person? Their desire to live whichever way they wanted to. You understand? This is what gets offended. But as you share the word and they get angry at the moment, remember the anointing is also going with that word. So as they walk away, offended at you, upset at you, the anointing now is working in their heart. You see? So you have to allow that. Allow it to, to percolate. Allow it to marinate in their hearts. You see? And, and don't do like my, my, the preachers where I was coming up. When I was coming up, they would get into, the, they would get into these rants. Uh, they would go into the street. I know because I went with them sometimes, and I stopped going with them because I would get offended. They would get these bullhorns. It's terrible. They would get the bullhorn, and then they would see somebody that maybe they didn't like the way they were dressed, especially they, they would always challenge the ladies. Mira, usted, estoy en el infierno. Va en el infierno porque mira cómo estaba vestida. You're going to go to hell. Look the way you're dressed. Yeah, I go, oh, man, that's not what the word says. You over there, you're going to split hell wide open. That was a favorite in the 70s, split hell wide open. It's, that doesn't work. People, first and foremost, they don't know what you're talking about. Number two, they think you're crazy. It is number one, isn't it? Some people are crazy. There's a way to share it. Share it with love. Now, they can still get upset at you, but now they can't call you crazy because you're, you're sharing it in an articulate manner. You're sharing it with the love of God. Come on, let's go have lunch. While you're sitting there, you know, you start a conversation. Share the word with them. What happens if it doesn't work? That's not your responsibility. The word always works. You have to just send the word, let the Holy Spirit do with his word what he will. As part of my training as a pastor, I went to evangelism class. And one of the things that evangelism class they taught us is sometimes you have to stair step a person to Christ. What does that mean? That you take them to the first, how do you get from the first floor to the second floor? 
one step at a time. So to stair-step a person to Christ is sometimes you need to share truth and then let it go. Share another truth with another and let it go. See, And little by little, you stair-step them. And as they're thinking, as they're marinating, they're ruminating, as they're meditating on the word, uh, this word and that word, and you don't know that after you left them, they went over there and their mother said something. And then the father said something. And then their friend said something about Christ. So now God is seeking opportunities. And every opportunity he gets, he sends one of his people to share another truth with that person. And little by little, God is whittling away at their fears, at, at, their, um, at the lies that have covered their hearts for many years. We don't know. We might be just part of the step. Maybe I'm the, uh, the fifth rung of ten steps that he, that he or she needs to go through till they, go, that they come to Christ, right? And that's what happens. How many of you came the first time you heard the gospel? You understand? Some of us, we live a whole life where we went to church, and, but yet, when I was 18, praise God, something happened. I saw the epiphany and I got saved. Meanwhile, that person was raised in church. You never know which one's going to be the needle that finally does the job, right? Praise God. So say with me, the Word of God. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of uh, sword, I'm sorry. Sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is the one that will give you the wisdom. The Word of God is the one that will give you the peace. The Word of God is the one that will give you the stability in the midst of crisis. The Word of God is the one that reflects to you who you are in Christ. When you look at the mirror of the Word of God, what do you see? You see that beautiful child of God that he loves. You see that minister that God's calling you to be, to make an impact and a shift and a change in your community, among your family. The Word of God is the one that will bring the city to your door. Because Jesus is manifest when, he sh- when, when you share the word of God.